As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm one and one right now. What? I'm one and one. I have one contact in, one contact out. Y'all having fun over there, huh? Get on your eyeball. Hey, bro, y'all supposed to be helping me. Y'all over here making fun of me and shit. Hey, where did that, where'd you get that, that term, though? The one-on-one? <laughs> I was like, I ain't never heard of one-on-one. You know, one-on-one. I'm like, nah, I don't. One-on-one. Like, well, what does that mean? I mean, they got one contact in, one contact out. <laughs> I've never heard that. If it happens again, what you want, because I'm knocking the rig specs. If it does happen again, I'm coming out, putting a new contact in, and I'm getting my ass right back out there. All right, we've got episode three, Hard Knocks, to discuss here. We've got some quarterback drama with the Dallas Cowboys and so much more to talk about as we've got NFL agents unfiltered up now on The Athletic. And we're going to talk about maybe some stuff that they said about Jerry, about Dak, and so much more. So welcome in to another episode of About Them Cowboys here, courtesy of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kent, producing, and I want to tell you to subscribe to our YouTube, because next week, for roster cuts, we're going to tier the 53, and we're going to do it on video. So check that out on our YouTube page. Go ahead and subscribe to that so you get the notification. But we're going to do a little S-tier, A-tier of the 53. Once the 53 is released, revealed, we'll do that, and that'll be a really fun time. We'll also have the podcast up, but you're going to want to check out the video for that one. So go ahead and subscribe for that, and make sure you hit that notification bell for any live streaming that we do during the season. But for now, it's time to welcome in the panel, the best of the best when it comes to covering all things Dallas Cowboys. Here from The Athletic, we've got Saad Youssef from The Ticket, and from The Eagle, we've got... Uh, Kevin KT Turner, and also from The Athletic, Father John Mishota. Boys, welcome back in. And uh, I guess we can maybe start off with a little Cowboys news type stuff before we do Hard Knocks. Um, KT? Holy COVID, John. What are we going to do about this? Stop getting COVID. (laughs) Just like Um, that? Yeah. If you just mentally tell yourself to stop getting it, it'll stop. People will stop getting it and it will stop spreading. No, um, 
I guess if you're looking for a positive, then it's better that this happens right now in the preseason than during the regular season. But it's hard to think like that and not think, well, this is happening right now. What's to prevent this from happening during the season? The thing that stands out to me about all of this is the same thing as it did last year. It's it's the yeah, you can separate and and keep guys away from each other, but it's the position groups. Like your position group, you're usually pretty close with that those group of players. And right now we're seeing with the Cowboys, like they're getting wiped out at safety. Now Donovan Wilson didn't practice today because of a groin issue, uh of something that happened to him the day before in practice. Uh, and now, and Israel Mukwamu, the rookie safety, he returned to practice today after being on the COVID list for a few days. So they are getting some guys back, but all of a sudden, you know, you got uh, Malik Hooker, is, it, you know, shows up on that list. And Mukwamu was originally on it now. And then you had, uh, who's the other guy I'm thinking of here? Oh, Demonte KZ just gets put on. So you're going out yeah. to practice yesterday and you're like, well, they got four safeties out here and it's Tyler Coyle and Darian Thompson, J. Ron Kirst, who has looked pretty good. Um, and then, you know, Donovan Wilson goes down. So you're, you're already like really thin at safety. And that's the, my big thing from this, uh, having six players and a coach on, on this COVID list is like, this could like wipe out an entire position group heading into a game that week. And, and this is even for players that are vaccinated because you still have to do the back to back two pass tests in you know 24 hours apart so it's not like you can just come back because you're like yeah i'm good now i'm fine i you know i was just around somebody no you still have to be tested and it has to be two negative tests over you know 24 hours apart and so yeah it's uh it's not ideal and as mike mccarthy would tell you from watching the hard knocks i'm sure you guys have picked up on it um you know it's just another thing that they that he has to deal with well, Saad, so doesn't it kind of suck, though, that that's like a position group where you're still trying to, like, figure out exactly – I mean, there's going to be cuts made at that position group. There might be a player there that you go, dang it, I was hoping we could maybe keep him around. And now you're, like, literally trying to evaluate these guys. Meanwhile, they're testing positive for COVID. Like, it's just like – it feels like that's one of the worst positions that they could have that breakout on when it comes to evaluating the roster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the it's the position that had the most question marks, but also the most intrigue too, because of how much was kind of you know how much new blood was flushed into it. So um, it makes the evaluation a lot harder. But I do think that you know when you look at the way that some of these guys have been have been playing, you have you have enough to go off of the good with some of the guys, but also just like the, the new guys, you know that they can't be worse than what was out there last year. So I mean, again, you're right. Like the the coaching staff and everyone has to kind of evaluate these guys on a scale and just kind of in hypotheticals. But, um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I think that's just kind of uh, the, the safety position group. I don't think there's a lot of variance from in, in those top in that top core. So that should help a little a little bit. Yeah, and Israel Mukwamu is the is the guy that that's on the bubble, and so for him to be able to return to practice today, that's obviously a great sign for him because. With how thin they are at safety, he should probably play just about the entire game on Sunday. So go out there and make some plays. Maybe that helps you make the team, you know. Uh, for all the other guys, like I think I've thought all along it's going to be a, a veteran bunch of safeties. When they added Malik Hooker, I'm like, okay, so even if, if I know that they like Darian Thompson a lot in special teams. So if you're going five safeties, I think you take Thompson over Mukwamu 
because the other four to me are Malik Hooker, Demonte KZ, Donovan Wilson, and Jaron Curse. And that's yeah. four solid veteran safeties. And generally, that's what happens. Six corners, four safeties. Generally speaking, that's what teams keep. What would you do? Keep Mukwamu or? I would not. Jaron Curse can play special teams. Over if Curse? I'm keep- no. No, I'm not keeping Mukwamu over. No, I'm keeping J- I'm keeping Jaron Curse for sure. Jaron Curse is on the team for sure with me. Uh, now, this Donovan Wilson injury, this groin injury, I think that this, I think they're being precautious. It doesn't, they, it doesn't seem to be serious, but if you were to be without him, then all of a sudden it opens up another spot. And even with that opening an additional spot, I think it goes to Darian Thompson over goes to Mukwamu because, you know, fans like to look at just what this guy does on offense, what this guy does on defense. Like you do have to fill out special teams and at the bottom of your roster, that's generally speaking where it goes. And so you tweet out Darian Thompson's on your 53 and people just think you're an, an idiot. It's like, no, they really like him. What he does on special teams. I've dealt with this for years with CJ Goodwin. How do you have CJ Goodwin on the team? Because the special teams coach, every team has one loves this guy. They also get players on the 53. That's why he keeps He's on the 53 because he's very good at that part of the game. I know it's not the sexy part of the game that everybody notices, but it's still an important part of the game. So if you're really, really good on that in that part of the game, you can stay on 53-man rosters for a long period of time. So, By the way, a guy that a guy as an example to what John's saying, go look at Matthew Slater in New England. That guy is a special teams ace listed as a wide receiver. They've never really used him as a wide receiver, but as John said... When you're a special teamer that can do that as a high level, you you get you get a roster spot no matter what. Yeah, and also the kicker's back, John. So how did that go for Zerline's first day of kicking? Not well. At least where people could watch. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. I mean, he didn't kick well. He admitted it after practice. I mean, I think he was five for eight, and two of his first three were just ugly misses, like wide left. But this is like the first time he's kicked in a while. You know, today or yesterday was he got removed off the physically unable to perform list. So uh, that was a big step. And then uh, with them letting the other kicker go, it just shows you that they wanted they wanted Zerline to kick against Jacksonville and not have that season opener down in Tampa be his first time kicking in a game. And so he'll get some action in this Jacksonville game. Uh, you know, it was funny him talking about today. It's like, you know, you want your team to score touchdowns, but like he wouldn't mind getting some field goal opportunities and things like that in the game just to kind of get himself back in the full swing of things. But, you know, again, special teams coordinator John Fossil loves Greg Zerline. Like he is very confident that he's the guy and everything will be fine. So we'll see. But yeah, today wasn't great. All right. Uh, anything but else it, news and noteworthy that you'd like to get into before we attack hard knocks? Well, Dak looked great today. Dak looked really good. Yeah. Dak, Dak looked like he was he's ready to play. Not that not that he hasn't in the previous practices. He's just on a pitch count, so they're limiting what he does. But he was out there, and you know, in the in the news conference before we went to practice, Mike McCarthy said that he thought Dak would work a little bit into team into the competition period, which is seven on seven team drills, which is something he hasn't done since July twenty seventh. So he kept saying over the last few times we've talked to McCarthy that yeah he was inching closer, inching closer. So we just assumed that, you know, that would be seven on seven and then maybe in a couple of days do some team. Well, no, he didn't do any seven on seven, but he jumped right in the team. He did four different series. Uh, he was out there for a total of eight, 18 snaps. Six of them were handoffs, but there was 12 throws. And he was 11 of 12 throwing. The only incompletion was 
uh, on a play where J. Ron Curse came in a blitz and knocked the ball down at the line of scrimmage. A really nice play by Curse, who's you know six three, six four guy, made a, made a, made a great play. Um, but Dak also showed a little bit of the ability to push it down the field. I mean, he had a nice thirty yard uh, pass along the uh, left sideline. Uh, to, to Blake Jarwin. He had a nice pass uh, on a slant to Amari Cooper, and they had another nice pass down the seam to, to Dalton Schultz. And so uh, he was spreading the ball around. He was thrown from the pocket. He was he was thrown on the run. He had a nice throw where he rolled out to his right and found Noah Brown along the right sideline. Like, I mean, he was moving, moving well. I mean, you never would have thought there was anything wrong with him. But again, like he's on this pitch count. And so but while I'm watching that, you know, we're in the one end zone because that's where media has to be at. So you're kind of trying to calculate, okay, how many yards was that? And so some people thought it was 28. I thought it was 30 on the on the pass along the sideline to Jarwin. Um, and so that's about as long as we've seen him throw going back to that uh, before the preseason game when he was working out with TJ Vasher and uh, with Ezekiel Elliott. But, but what I thought was really interesting is after practice was over and we were talking to players, they turned around and Dak's standing at about the 40 and Amari Cooper's in the end zone. And Dak was just, you know, casually throwing balls to, to Amari. So a good 40 yards while Mike McCarthy and like Will McClay stood there and were watching him through about five to 10 balls or whatever. So you can tell like they're trying to continuously ramp it up. And I just think it's funny. Cause I don't think he's going to throw anything very long like that in practice. Sure. Um, but I do think it would be kind of funny if they just opened it up on the very first play against Tampa Bay and throw deep just because all the news about Dak is going to be like, everything's at 25, 30 yards, 25, 30 yards. Get some max protect. Just open it up. First play. Dak goes deep just to test him, just to see if how, how, how close Tampa's playing on him. If they don't think he can throw deep, just let it go. Last thing I want to mention on this, you know, there's a lot of talk of the one negative could be the rust of not going with the ones very often. You don't get that training camp reps. The one positive from this is that, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are healthy. And those are two of the most quarterback-friendly wide receivers there are. Like CeeDee Lamb last year, I guess we call that a training camp. That was not a real training camp. He didn't get any sure. preseason games, and he hit the ground running with Dak Prescott. Uh, Amari Cooper, there were no preseason games. There was no there was no practice and, and, and all, this, all these great reps with Dak Prescott in 2018 when he got traded on the bye, and they hit the ground running. Like... Dak's very fortunate to have some some very good receivers around him too. Yeah, there'll probably be some rust early on against Tampa Bay. And frankly, I know fans don't want to hear this, but like, is it really the end of the world if they lost to Tampa Bay week one? Like, yeah, there's 17 weeks. They'll be fine. Um, but yeah, there could be a little bit of rust early, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he plays well week one. Yeah. Also, one thing, John, with with that, like, you know, you mentioned the how he looked today and we saw the video of him, of his passes to Jarwin and Schultz that you mentioned. This is, I'm kind of taking this on a tangent, but I'm just, I just want to get your thoughts on this. Like we talk about getting the best five of the offensive line out there. When you're talking about the best five for skill position, obviously you got CD Amari, Michael Gallup, you have Zeke, Jarwin and Schultz. That's six. What's, what's your best? Like I, obviously if you're running well, you the put ball, Tony Pollard in there too. Right, right. So put Tony Pollard and obviously if it's a run play, obviously you need a running back, but I'm just saying in general, what would you say is your best five to put out there? Well, Zeke, Zeke and those three receivers, that's four right there. And then I would say you can just flip a coin on Jarwin and Schultz. Like last year at this time, I would have said, oh, no, it's Jarwin for sure, especially because he's. I felt like he's better in the passing game. But that season that Dalton Schultz had last year, he's just picked up where he left off in training camp. I mean, and, and in the preseason and – 
just when we've seen him work with the ones, whether it was with Cooper Rush, whether it's been with Garrett Gilbert, Dak, like Schultz looks real tough too. And I did find it interesting that, you know, the team will put out their unofficial depth chart and Jarwin continues to be the first team tight end. But, you know, Jarwin's ready to roll and he's played first team reps, but, you know, that was the dress rehearsal uh, Saturday against uh, the Texans and Dalton Schultz was out there with the ones. And so the only guys that weren't out there that are your typical ones were Dak and Zeke. So I found that interesting. So I think they're one a one B. I don't think that there's a big drop off from one to the other. I think they're, I think they're in great spots with either of those uh, tight ends. But like, like I said, I, I, I would include Tony Pollard in that group because he's going to get a lot of touches too. But I think this is what they want. They want to have constant guys coming in and out, working guys in, keeping guys fresh and things like that. And that's where you also see Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson. I mean, let's be honest. That sideline ball that Noah Brown caught where Dak was like going nuts against the Texans, that's as good as anything CD or Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup does. Like if he was to consistently make catches like that, because I mean, let's remember Noah Brown's on this team because he's a really good blocking wide receiver and he just kind of keeps sticking around, sticking around, sticking around. Like they feel very comfortable. Dak feels very comfortable with him out there. And the same for Cedric Wilson. So, uh, no, they're, they're in great shape with the weapons for sure. No, I love, I'm glad you mentioned Noah Brown because I like that they're going to use him. Uh, I won't say properly. That, that might be the wrong word, but use him outside and not just, Okay, Noah Brown's in the game. We're going to use him as a quasi tight end, and we're probably going to slam the ball into, you know, right up the middle. Like they're actually going to use him. And I mean, all you had to do is watch him at Ohio State. He was incredible, an incredible athlete. Um, you know, I think everyone talks about the game against Oklahoma where he had three touchdowns. But like the thing with Noah Brown is he was young coming out. Like he probably, it's hard to second guess anyone who's been in the league and has stayed in the league, but he probably should have stayed in college. And who knows where he gets drafted. And maybe his career's a little different. But he is definitely, like him and Cedric Wilson, who have been question marks for years, we've talked about. For, for summer after summer. Ah, we'll see if they make the team. No, no, no. Four and five are done. And you have that with two running backs now, for sure. Uh, with Tony and Zeke. Enrico will obviously make the team as well, most likely. You have that at tight end now with Dalton and Jarwin. Like, you feel so good about everything on offense. Um, so, uh, you know, it's all, it, it really is like this, this team, it's all about the defense and we've seen small little, small little leaps and bounds that have made you feel better about this defense led by Micah Parsons, who I thought was pretty awesome on hard knocks last night. And that'll kind of transition us into hard knocks. Hold on real quick. Uh, we'll get yeah. I, I have one other thing, uh, on running back Rico Dowdle out for the year. They're putting him on oh. IR. Yeah, hip oh. injury hip injury against uh the Texans. So obviously he oh, no. wasn't at practice today. So I thought they were pretty set at running back uh in terms of I thought that they would keep three, and that being Zeke Pollard and Dowdle. Now with Dowdle out, I think that elevates Jaquan Hardy, who obviously was a decent part of this hard knocks episode. Uh but one other thing I wanted to mention right before we get to the hard knock stuff too is though, let's also keep our eyes open here for uh, other teams cutting running backs. This could be one of those situations where the Cowboys might be willing to uh, maybe go grab a veteran that another team lets go. Because of course we sit here today and we're like, oh, well that doesn't matter. Zeke and Pollard are healthy. Well, yeah, all it takes is one of those guys to get nicked up. And then you want to have another running back. You want to have a third <laughs> back that you feel comfortable and come in and get, you know, four or five carries need be. So that number three running back spot uh, just got a little bit more interesting. Dang. Yeah, man, I, I, Rico was a lot of fun to watch in uh, in the preseason, and 
You know, it definitely it shows some improvement from last year. So, um, man, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize I didn't realize that that that, that was a that move was happening. So there it is. You never know. Sometimes it's the middle of the episode, you learn stuff. Or at least I do. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about Hard Knocks. I thought episode three was great. I know everyone probably loved episode three, right? I would imagine. Um, Kent, you know what you've pulled. So I'd, I would prefer if you kind of run the audio or set up the audio the way you want. I did think it was an odd start to the episode by killing our man Isaac Alarcon for about five minutes before we head off to the opening credits yeah. and the incredible drone shot. I thought that was an odd choice, but they made up for it with the with the amazing tracking drone shot. Yeah, that, that was a bit odd when it came to the opening. It didn't get me pumped necessarily as much as felt bad for for our boy know, Isaac. Right? But uh well, here, but, Kent, yeah. let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you've obviously worked extensively on, on the production side, working with Cowboys.com for several years. Do you think if, you know, with a, I don't know, 20-man crew, do you think it would be easy to fill 58 minutes once a week, or do you think it would be difficult with the well, Dallas Cowboys? With unlimited access, really easy. Okay, you that's get all right. the meetings, they, all, the, all the locker room stuff, really so easy. I, I didn't like be, this episode. It, it would be hard to keep it. It would hard, be hard to trim it to an hour because there'd be so much good stuff. Okay, I, well, I didn't like. I didn't like this episode, and I didn't like the second episode. I liked the first one, and I think what's happening here is I do think they're getting really good stuff, uh, but I think a lot of it's getting trimmed on the editing editing room floor, and that editing room floor being by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it seems like we're getting less and less Mike McCarthy. Uh, I think that's by design. I don't think he wants to be in it as much. Uh, yeah. He was not thrilled about that conversation with him and Stephen Jones, talking about Ezekiel Elliott being in better shape, talking about the workload with Ezekiel Elliott in that first episode. And then now there's been very like a lot less of that. There's not the meeting room stuff. We got that How five- about fix this shit, bitch? We got the 575 thing in that first one. There isn't things like that anymore. I think that they're cutting it back. So while I agree with you, I think it would be easy to, to fill 58 minutes. Is it if everything you're putting out there is constantly nope, 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 and makes me think they were probably surprised when John Fossil says, no, go ahead, leave the vasectomy talk in there, to the point where even John Fossil says to us that when Hard Knocks asked him specifically, he said, I got to check with my wife, but then says, yes, go ahead, it's fine, we don't care, but then... Rich Dalrymple went back to John Fossil and asked him again, are you sure you want that stuff? Yeah, and you know how it is. The more you ask, the more chance there is like, eh, you know what? You're asking me again. Let's leave it out. I think there's a lot more stuff getting trimmed, and I will end with this. This is what makes me think about that. People want to talk about three minutes is too long on a drone video. I thought that was fascinating. I don't think we need 20 seconds of Zeke opening up that whatever fruit roll-up, rolling it, and then putting it in his mouth, I was like, if you're running 20 seconds on this, like, is he going to throw this at somebody? Like, what are we doing here? And so that's <laughs> where I'm kind of thinking that it should be easy to fill 58. But what if everything that you have planned is like, no, 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 no. All right, Jaquan Hardy, you still got the stuff with the Ellercon family? All right, here we go. Yeah, we yeah. also don't need a whole minute on Jaquan Hardy putting on his contact lens, like, <laughs> and, and a close-up of the eye. You know what I mean? On that I point, that. yeah, so I, <laughs> I get 
I love the NFL films. I think you, you're the best in the business, honestly. But And I get that you have nice cameras, right? But we don't need to see a macro shot of an eyeball. Like, no one needs to... <laughs> No one, especially the contact coming out of the eye and then going back in, it was way too, way too graphic. But that drone shot, man, that was unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they're going to win some kind of technical award for that as well. They should, but that was that was incredible. As somebody who worked in that building, you know, it's it's very weird to see that. You know, to see a, a drone shot like that of somewhere where you were every every day. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, that was an incredible insight into the Cowboys facility and just the massive infrastructure that they've put into the Jones family has put into this team. And, um, shout out to Danny Sarek, by the way, who, uh, made an appearance in there, uh, the video as well. Yeah. And she had to stand there for a long time to get that shot because the way it was, or the, they're saying they kept crashing it. Yeah. They had three hours and that was take 15. That means she was standing there pretty much for about three hours until they got that, until they got the shot they wanted. It's almost like the, it's how I imagine the dude perfect trick shot thing is. Right. But you only see the final cut of that. It's the attention to detail that makes it, made it so great. You know, like you could do that thing one time and just fly a drone through, through the star and, and around. But the way they went between the legs of the statue and in through the car and the sound design that they did on it was incredible with all the, all the iconic plays as they were passing the the monuments and things like that was the kind of stuff that took it over the top for me, you know, all the little things for me the basically it's the difference between Vince Carter winning a slam dunk competition and Nate Robinson, right. like Vince Carter was like, I'm going to come out here and do five dunks. They're all going to be nasty. People are going to be like, lose their mind. Nate Robinson is going to do 30 dunks. Three of them will absolutely get you your mind blown because you're just like, whoa, look how short that guy is. But you got to watch 27 misses until you find, okay, one more. All right, Nate. Oh, there we, okay, there you go. Got it. It just, it, it's not the same. It's not the same when you're doing it that one time. And they easily could have, you know, cut that up and been like, oh yeah, they ran into this door here, but we can keep the first 15 seconds. It looks way better when it just like one continuous smooth. Like- I think they did cut it up when the, when the drone goes from basically the Ford center inside uh, the, like where the players practice in through the hallway into the, where the Jason Jason Witten uh, picture is. Oh, John. don't do this! Don't. I do think there's this. a cut there. Go back and watch it. I think oh, there's a, there's no. a transition. So I Why think they stop it there. This? I think they stop it there, and then they fly it again through the building, and then they splice them together via little little trickery. That would have been the part, the only part you get. If That's they, the only place if, I noticed it uh, being stitched. So I just uh, feel like if you're doing splicing, then you might as well end it with like. Zeke knocking the thing out of the air or something at the very yeah end. that would have been great a little more interaction the um the Minnesota Timberwolves actually did one of these uh, where where they did it at their media day and there was the Target Center and it flew through their media day and the players were all taking their pictures taken and stuff and interacting with the camera it was it's am- it's amazing check that out on YouTube but um but that was that was absolutely mind blowing a way to start out this episode they uh, they set the bar pretty high. Did you guys notice me doing yoga at, on that field in the front? Were you in the crowd there? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you could see me or not. I was waiting for you, man. That was, uh, that was pretty so cool. Many there, bright- I, I go up there every morning, do a little yoga on that field. There were so many bright colored yoga pants, I, I, I couldn't have known which one was you. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, yeah, that's how I mean, that was almost the the big story, you know, of the whole episode really was that drone shot was just incredible. Yeah, I mean, because here's my other thing. Like, even if you tell me you're like, hey, check this out, like even you don't have to tell me I can tell you exactly how it went down. Listen, okay, so Jerry Jones on 105 through the fan Tuesday morning. He's getting back in the routine of every Tuesday morning going on the fan like he does during the season. And at the very end of the interview teases how they're going to be. He's going to be in the helicopter. I was like. Let's go. This is going to be, and I mean, it was fine. I mean, I like, I like the f bomb, but let's go. Let's play that. I'll, awesome. We'll play that cut here. Uh, we'll start start with that. This is Chopper Jerry. Hey man, you ready? Roll them. Alrighty. The thing that I like the most about the uniqueness of preseason games is you really see players get to play early, younger players that get to play. And you get to see them at their competitive best because they're trying to make this cut, trying to make this team. Hey, sir. He said to come back and get Steven. Go back and get Steven. Can we? Okay, sure we can. Okay. okay. Absolutely we can. Uh, why uh, Why not just start the day fucking it up? Huh? If this is an indication of how the day's going to go out here and we can't even get everybody on the helicopter to get out, we're going back to pick Steven up. <laughs> Starting off here with pre- the day pre-staff, off. pre-staff penalties. <laughs> First world pains, man. Can't even get on the helicopter in time. What are they doing? It's just so good. Man. I wanted more of that. I really did. Why not just start the day fucking it up? I know there's fans that are sick of Jerry, but man, just can we get Dude. just make that at least half the episode? Just keep just stay in the Jerry needs his Let's own hard knocks. He needs we need just a an HBO series that just follows Jerry. That's what we need. Just call it Jerry Jones. <laughs> Just give us that. Oh my gosh! Yes, and that, and that, and that was to me. I think there was a little bit of scripted going on there in terms of I just, you know. Jerry's not flying around the helicopter as much as he used to. It just, that doesn't happen. Like, it, I mean, when they first got to the star, we used to see it all the time. Maybe they would be landing on the one practice field 
But now they have that other big building they built on the other side. And it's like this horseshoe now that Dr. Pepper Keurig buildings on the other side of mm. like where the actual star is. So there's like this horseshoe of huge buildings around the two fields, as you can see in that drone shot, obviously. But we just don't see him. I haven't seen the helicopter on the field since that Dr. Pepper building was finished. And so, you know, I do still think he takes well, it to the games, obviously. But I, there was a time, I mean, I live out here uh, in Plano, right? I mean, I live about five minutes from the facility. And there was there have been times, you know, a few years back where, you know, I would be outside and I could see the thing fly by. Like, that's not, that's not, they're not, he's not really using it like that anymore. Here's, um, speaking of the chopper and the drone shot, I pitched doing a, 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 a basically a tracking shot of Jerry in a very similar way to the way they did it with this HBO show. So it was going to be a tracking shot that followed Jerry from his office down the elevator, across the field, into the chopper, onto the chopper, all the way to AT&T Stadium. <laughs> he gets out at AT&T Stadium, walks in all the way up to his suite in, in one tracking shot. So it would have been like a... They say, he said that he can fly from the star to the field and touch down in like seven to nine minutes. Depending no on, way. Yeah. You're saying like that guy can go minute. from the star to Arlington in seven minutes? That's what he said. Minutes? It was like a nine minute, it's a nine minute thing compared to having to drive or something. All right. I want to see that video of that. Yeah. So I, I, that was my idea. I wanted to, I wanted to do a, a full one take of him doing that, but it never, we never could make the logistics work out. Yeah. But that's, that's his that one's free. That's free, free NFL films. Make that happen. I want to see a drone shot of the, uh, of the stadium too. I think that'd be a cool fly through that stadium. Yeah, and stage, I think it, stage him. it made sense though that for that helicopter shot though, because it you could time it out when like we're heading to a game, right? And then like you can obviously everything's about sponsorship and promotion. It's a Ford truck we're flying the drone through. Mm-hmm. Here's the stadium. I mean, the whole thing is built around promotion, anyways. It's part of the reason why it was the Rams a couple of years ago, or was that last year even? Let's say the Rams are getting a new stadium. We can really feature this new stadium. And that's got something to do with it, but. You can really, if you just slow it down, you can see Jerry. This is why I don't think that part was scripted totally. Oh, I you just meant see, that they were going to get a helicopter shot in. That's all I meant. Oh, what, oh okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Steven I meant that thing, they like. I thought you meant the, the Steven, Steven thing, thing was scripted. No, 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 no. He I looks just meant that we put get, out. I, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I just meant that like we have to. Okay, we're going to do five episodes of Hard Knocks with the Cowboys. We have to get at least one with the helicopter in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah, we can go back and get Steven, sure. But he looks pretty put out in his face. Like, his tone of his voice doesn't, but his face like, really? We're going to go back? Okay, yeah, all right, let's go get him. <laughs> it was so funny. And well, Steven gets on, and Steven's just laughing. Like, that's <laughs> it's just so good. And when Jerry goes, the stadium looks better than it did 12 years ago. It was the same conversation on All or Nothing they were having with the hot dog bun. When he first I like got the that, hot dog. When, when he first got that helicopter, I remember there was about... I don't know, about 15, 20 of us out at the star. And they were like, you know, talking about it. The, somebody from the company, we talked about it. And then like you could take pictures and video of it or whatever. And then they were like, if anybody wants to go for a ride, you know, we'll take you up and circle around the star and everything like that. And I remember I had to like transcribe some quotes. And so I'm like, eh, I'm not going to do that. I got to go. I got to go do this, or whatever. And then at the last minute, I was like, you know, when am I going to get a chance to do this? So I ended up I ended up going up in it with uh, a few other writers, or whatever like that. And the thing that will always stand out to me is just like how smooth like the takeoff and landing are. 
Like I was thinking, okay, this is gonna be a helicopter landing on the ground. Like it's gonna be kind of like you know, like when when the plane first hits the you know the the runway when you land. Like there is a little bit. I mean, depending on I guess how good the pilot is. Like you know, it does. You can tell you're hitting the ground. You know, none of that on one of those things. I mean, it was just such a soft landing. Like you're just like, oh my god, I would I would just I would fly this thing everywhere. Like I would never want to even drive in a car anymore. And that's why I don't think he was really that put off by it because. Maybe it is only like five minutes to turn around, even though like if that was a drive and someone called you and you're that far, you're like, I got to turn around and drive 35 minutes back throughout traffic to go get pick him up. But with that, he's probably like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we'll go around. That's fine. We'll be there. We'll be there in seven minutes. I loved how nonchalant he was about it, too. He was like, oh, yeah, of course we can do it. Like he's in the best mood. And then he's like, yeah, why, why not just fuck it up? Like, you know, yeah. like, like <laughs> it was absolutely so like Jerry. It was it was very. Uh, that's exactly how he is even when he's talking to the media after games, whatever. He can go from one topic to the next and just flow. I just want this to be my alarm every day when I wake up. It just needs to be first thing. Why not just start the day fucking it up? Yeah, just go, I like that. Just, just go uh, into yeah. the day, just just owning life, you know? Just what, effing life what about up. Telling you, what about telling your grandson after he tells you that he's vaccinated and he's got a negative COVID test? They were like, I've got more shots than a cocker spaniel. Like, and the kid just looks at him. The kid's just looking at him like, okay, Grandpa, don't know what that means, but okay. I don't know. I thought, cool? was, I thought that part was funny. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, some other some other uh, highlights here. Uh, we get Coach Philbin. We get some audio of him. Haven't, haven't got too much behind-the-scenes stuff of him since he got into town, but he was the star of my favorite season of Hard Knocks when uh, – he cut Chad Ochocinco from the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that was a... Oh, I think, uh, Ken, I think if you did a top 10 moments from Hard Knocks, going back to when it first started in 2001, I think that's got to be in your top 10. That oh, yeah. Ochocinco thing. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's one of my favorites. Definitely one of the more memorable memorable seasons. But he's in Dallas now, and he uh, is yelling at Isaac. Drive the knee, drive the knee, drive the knee. Be alert for the crash. Finish. Get behind the ball, Isaac. Get behind the ball. <laughs> Let's go. Next play. Let's go. Hey, get your pads down. Let's hey, go. hey, what was was that a left call? Which which way was the set? Left or right? Liz. Liz, you got. I don't want to see him in the fucking backfield again. You help if you have to. Let's go. Fucking bullshit. Jeez. Love it was music. nice that it's a player that, you know, it's nice to hear that. It's not nice for Isaac Alarcon, but it's nice to <laughs> yeah. hear the behind the scenes of that. But like, it's also, it's not like he's yelling at a player that's like going to be like a factor, no. like, or make the team. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not yelling at Matt Farniak like that. He's the not one. yelling at Connor Williams like that. He's not yelling at, you know, I don't know, Connor McGovern or somebody. You're like, oh, okay. You know, Terrence Steele, Brandon Knight. Like, it's like, okay. So he's yelling at some guy like, you know, yeah. It seems like it these matter. these these position coaches, John, pick one guy as their project guy. You know, these borderline bubble guys, and they they try to make them. They work them so hard during camp. You know, I, I remember, I'm reminded of Rodney Ranelli and Ryan Russell. You know, every time you turn around, it was "Come on, Ryan, let's go, Ryan." You know, and and oh. maybe that's him with Isaac this time. Oh no, just, no 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 no! I agree with you, but I think when you talk like that, and you, and that's the way you are as a coach. Oh, I think he's like that with a lot of guys. I'm saying they put that in there because it is Isaac Alarcon. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. that they're not they're not okaying them to put in when he's saying that stuff to Connor McGovern. <laughs> oh, I mean, to, oh, I mean to Zach okay, hey, yeah. hey, let's be honest here. 
if you're talking about frustration from an offensive line coach, this season on the Dallas Cowboys, I'm pretty sure the most F-bombs have been dropped when Connor Williams is snapping the ball all over the place. Yeah. Okay, so so here's your thesis, John, that the actual, the uncut, the director's cut of Hard Knocks features the actual storylines of what's going on right now. Jalen Smith drama going on right now, you know, maybe some offensive line drama going on. Right, that, that, that stuff's being tried to be worked into the show, but it's being, it's being nixed. So we're getting out Isaac Alarcon instead. I, I, I believe to I a think certain those, extent, yeah. I've always wondered why the biggest storylines that we're talking about on Twitter aren't, aren't really in hard, a part of hard knocks. So maybe well, that's yeah, the case. I mean, I just, I look at their roster and, and there's like 25, 30 guys that I think are all rel- maybe not. Okay. I'll say 20 guys. I'll even round it down that are, are really interesting. Not, maybe not necessarily everything about them off the field, but just things of like how they're going to factor into this team this year. You know, maybe, maybe they're going to be losing reps to somebody else. Maybe they're a young guy. They're going to be getting more reps, things like that. Um, you know, there's just a lot of like intriguing things like, like here for one, maybe this won't intrigue anybody else and intrigues me. Maybe it's because I see him every day, but it's always off to the side. Like, I don't know. How about some like off to the side stuff about like what's going on with Tristan Hill? I mean, he's, he's, he's on the, the pup, but this is a guy that they expected to be a major part at defensive tackle, which remains one of the weakest positions on the team. And yeah, he's still on pup, but like, How's his attitude? I mean, do you think he's going to contribute this year type things? Like, you know, what's being talked about there? Like, I just, I don't know. I I just feel like he's obviously around, but they're just like, no, nah, we don't want to get in that storyline. Uh, no, nah, let's not get in this storyline. No, 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 no. Let's not do this. Like, you know, I, I just, there's a lot of stuff that happened in that first, first episode that I personally like that I haven't seen since. And I think it's because that they didn't like the what reception. went on there. I don't think yeah. they wanted to see Mike McCarthy joking with Dak and Dak basically being like, yeah, coach, I'm not really in a joking mood right now. I don't think that they wanted to see Steven and, and Mike McCarthy talking about how, yeah, Zeke's in way better shape this year, but man, we can't be working him because he's already got way too much of a workload. I mean, look at what he's already done already in his career. Like they didn't want that stuff in there. And so now that's not in there. And maybe some people didn't think that stuff's that great. That's personally the stuff that I tune in for. Interesting. Well, I, it's definitely stuff I think like Cowboys fans, I think, Definitely. I don't know how much a, a random fan across the league well, is watching Hard Knocks and, cares and, about what McCarthy or or Steven thinks about Zeke. But true, KT. You know. But we're also talking about like probably the biggest, most hardcore. It's definitely in the NFL, but maybe in all of sports. Like I feel like a Cowboys fan, at least the majority of them, like want to see a little bit deeper stuff because they know a lot about this team. They know a lot about these guys. So like, let's see a little bit more behind the scenes, stuff like that. Like, to be honest with you, like I liked the conversation with Dak talking about the haunted house. Like no way, no way as it was like, yeah, that's the only conversation they had in there this week. That was like that. I feel like there was probably three or four of them, but that's the only one they were like, okay, yeah, use that one. That's fine. I thought that was really funny. And I actually agree with Dak. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably do. Yeah, I'm not a haunted house guy either. Yeah, I'm out on that. Yeah. How about side though, or do mascots freak you out, Sod? Uh, some mascots. I, I, you know that uh, guy. Why am I blanking on a name? Uh, the Gritty? Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that mascot is is insane. But I, I generally not really. I mean, I, clowns freak me out. But only humanoid really ones, like Rowdy. The Cowboys is Rowdy. Any yeah. ones that they yeah. make like look like a person. 
and a weird smile or something going on. I'm, I'm not about that. So I need an animal or some some alien of some kind, like the Dallas Stars have. That that that's what I need, or or and, and just Rowdy, a human basketball. And Rowdy is there for kids. I mean, that's what that's yes. what Rowdy's catered to. Kids that, love not Rowdy. Like a, well, they they all, but it depends when you say kids. Like, there's a certain little age kids. group. Because no, I'm talking about like I don't think little kids, and I'm only going off of the hospital visits that. Oh, I'm used going to go off on. of training camp where I'm just standing there on the sideline, and all I hear in my ear for three weeks is Rowdy. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. But I'm talking about like those hospital visits we would do every year around <laughs> Christmas are... time. And when he would come around the corner, not very I saw some yeah. kids scream that they oh. were so terrified because he's got that like perma smile, like just like Pennywise crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like look on his face, <laughs> terrified, terrified right. kids. Like what is this thing? Yeah. There's some great memes involving Rowdy though. So it does for make sure. for some good some good memes. Well, if the drone shot wasn't the star of the Hard Knocks episode, it certainly was uh, Trevon Diggs' son, Aiden. And uh, this is Aiden and a great cut of him. What jersey did you bring? What number is it? Who that is? Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> no, what jersey did you bring? Who you been waiting to meet? Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Dad. Why are you being silly? I mean, you got first <laughs> Oh, I'm really a little bit of confused. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what that, when I was watching that, what I thought was funny about it is that, like, I don't know, like, how entertaining is that if you're, obviously you're, you know, the face of the NFL right now and you're Patrick Mahomes, but how entertaining is that when you're watching it, and like you're watching this to think you're seeing a bunch about the Cowboys, and then this kid says that because Mahomes was obviously watching. He tweeted about the drone shot, yeah. so I just think it's kind of funny that like he had a, he had to get a kick out of that. I, I love that uh, Trevon and Stefan's mom both went with. Uh, I mean, I liked when she talked about like her schedule for choosing. She's like, yeah. I just pick the game that's got the city that I want to go hang out in the most. And I was that's like, oh, that's do. a pretty you good life. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, prioritize it any other way, you know? I mean, when they're on different teams, I mean, what are you going to do, you know? Oh, y'all are going to Philadelphia in December? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the Miami game that, that Stefan's going to be at. Right. Um, the best part will be when Aiden's playing for the Cowboys eventually. I mean, that's, a, that's a pretty outstanding bloodline right there he's coming from. So I, I think he, he, might, he might be pretty athletic eventually. It just shows yeah, but- you how big Patrick Mahomes is for kids, too. I mean... The yeah. guy, he had to tell the kid, who remember remember Dak Prescott? The guy who you've oh, met yeah. multiple I mean, times and he's on my team? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you know, he just wants to be nah. Patrick Mahomes, man. I don't blame him. Go yeah, ahead, but it, No, as you said, Kent, just, to, you know, not even just that clip, but his whole, his whole thing during the game, too, was just the way that he was cheering on Trayvon Diggs and, and uh, you know, his look on – the look on his face when he found out that halftime – was not yeah. the end of the game. It was just <laughs> that was a moment that had me Every, laughing. Everyone out watches loud. preseason and feels that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh man, guess I'll eat a hot dog. Yeah, I liked his little cut at the end where he was just like, "They didn't win, but you can do better next time." You know, yeah, that's uh, that's all you can do in life. He's got <laughs> that kid is amazing. I love Aiden. Uh, next cut we have here: CD Lamb went one on one with Micah Parsons. At practice, and they started jawing, and it was it was it was greatness. Hey, why you look nervous in that slot? I need you to put a visor on or something. I don't need to see your eyes next time. 
But you was, I won that because you was nervous. Boy, you, you've never been in a slot. First of all, you've never been in a slot because of myself. Because I wanted to be cute. Oh, no, Because I wanted to be cute. You had never, you, I, I don't even know where you were, to be honest. I didn't, I didn't feel no presence. I didn't, I didn't feel anything. Like, I ain't, you know what I'm saying? You was no, I had, no, you were looking me dead in my eyes and I was looking at you. That's why I said you were scared. I wasn't scared. So what you, so what you call it? What you, you don't got to, but you go get your ass busted. I take inside leverage. That's all my job was. You go outside, I want you to go outside. I'm going to the ball. So what if I go inside then? I'm going with you. I just can't let you inside. Why not? That's my coverage. I can't let you inside. I'm supposed to make you go out there. All right. So then his coach uh, plays that play in the film room, and here was the response from the coach. Now you tell me what would happen right here if you did it that way. You'd have broke. You'd intercepted this. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But because you looked out here, now you went back to the quarterback. Now that's the step you're looking for to make that interception. You feel me? Yeah. Uh, that's because, um, shit, just like, I don't know, like growing up, you always play like two go out, one come in. Right so when he said that, I knew he was going to get roasted. Yeah. Sometimes I look bad. Like, okay, well, now we're not trying to make the Harrisburg Harold, all right? We're trying to play in the <laughs> no, NFL. That's, that's and I'm just telling you, if you, I know, but I'm just telling like, you, the quarterbacks in the sleep, when they see this pressure coming, they got to get the ball out. I just liked it that I remember when this play happened uh, at practice because I remember thinking to myself, I was like, why did CD just go up with that with one hand? He easily could have caught that with two. I'm like, was he just showing off because the fans were there or whatever? And then it, after the ball hits the ground, I'm like, oh, Micah Parsons was on him. I bet you he was trying to like do that because Micah was there, but you don't really know for sure, you know? And uh, and then to hear him basically confirm that that's the reason he dropped it is because he was trying to, he was being too cute. He wanted, and it makes sense too, because throughout all a training camp and then, you know, whether you're out in Oxnard when we got back here, I mean, it's very clear if somebody goes, Hey, who has made the most standout plays at, at camp for the Cowboys and offense? It's CD lamb. And it's not even close. Okay. Who's made the most standout plays on defense? It's Micah Parsons, and it's not even close. So it is funny that the one time that they're matched up on each other, CD is like, all right, I'm going to try and take this thing to another level. Because it, at it for a second, like in regular speed, it looked like he was about to pull that in with one hand. And I was like, oh, that's going to be a highlight right there. And then he dropped it, and they just kind of move on. But it is funny. Like, Let me also add this in here. When you watch these practices, wide receivers, you're supposed to win. Like, first of all, you're not oh, going to yeah. tackle to a ground. Sec second of all, Micah Parsons is a freak, but he's not a freak on the level of like, I'm going to shut down C.D. Lamb. He's not on the freak on the level of like, oh, go, go ahead, coach. Put me at corner. I'm going to shut down Stefan Diggs. Oh, coach, do you need someone to go shut down DeAndre Hopkins? Like he's not on, he's not going to be doing that. Like those guys are shifty wide receivers and they're elite, the elite of the elite. Like, okay, C.D., you should win that rep. Well, I, and I like if you think about how early it was in the year last year, where and I think it was Jalen who made the comment. I was talking about not buying into the defense or whatever. I really like that Micah Parsons at least telling CD like, "Man, I would love to trash talk with you right now. I would love to get it in your face, but I was doing my job. I I can't let you get inside. You ha I right. you had to go. You going to the outside is what I wanted, and I love that we were getting that from Micah. Yeah, like in the back and forth, and I we got torn up a little bit. In the film room, I think in the film room, I think I think what uh, Coach Edwards was just saying is 
if you do it this way, then you could possibly have a chance at getting a turnover. But like yeah, he but knew his responsibility, and that's that's kind of the, the whole point of it that I kind of took out of it. Yeah, but right as I was watching that, right when he said growing up, this is how I did it. Like in my head, I knew he was going to get roasted by the coach. It's like you can't. You're in the NFL of the Dallas Cowboys. You do not say growing up. I did something this way. You you were asking for exactly what came. Yeah. Why Why did you do it that way? That's the way I've always done it. It's never a good answer. Yeah. You need yeah, an actual is. reason. And there's never there's never an announcement like, okay, guys, everybody, one of our coaches has been demoted and another one has been promoted. But um, it is interesting, like you see in there, we've seen it at practice, but like George Edwards is running the linebacker crew now. You know, Scott McCurley is like, kind of stepped in, even though on, you know, the roster is listed as Scott McCurley is still the linebacker coach, but it's very clear this off season, whether it be a Dan Quinn thing, a Mike McCarthy thing, that was one of the changes that was made on that coaching staff too. It wasn't just replacing Mike Nolan. It wasn't just, you know, replacing Jim Tom Sula. Also at linebacker, it was okay. George Edwards is going to, you know, step in here and have more say, uh, and he's going to be the one running the linebackers. And we've seen it in drills and stuff like that, but it's interesting to, you know, obviously see it in those, uh, uh, meeting rooms as well. Uh, is there any more audio, Kent? There's no more audio. There's a there's a few other things. I wanted to ask John what what the heck's going on with this this backup quarterback situation. And Cooper Rush seems to be making a rush, if you will, uh, up maybe towards definitely over Ben DiNucci at this point, but maybe maybe over Garrett Gilbert. What's going on? Yeah, I would say if the preseason ended today and there weren't any intriguing quarterbacks cut from other teams that the Cowboys really, really thought were better than Rush or Gilbert, uh, I think Cooper Rush would be the backup. But there's still one more preseason game to play. And let's not act like we felt the way about Cooper Rush, you know, a couple days before that game. It's because he looked so good in that game. So who's to say that Garrett Gilbert doesn't go against Jacksonville? Much, much like the Texans, we're talking about two teams that we'll probably have top five draft picks in next year's draft. Okay. Let's not act like anyone's lighting the world on fire, but who's to say Garrett Gilbert doesn't go out there, throw two touchdowns and rush doesn't look as good. So like, mm-hmm. I don't think rush has got it locked up, but it, that's the, that's one of the positions that it makes this meaningless last preseason game. Not so meaningless because their backup quarterback could be decided by how these two guys play. But yeah, no, I think Ben DiNucci is out of that picture. I think he, you know, they can probably let him go and maybe keep him on the practice squad if they want. But no, it, it rush it, rush and Gilbert and the rush part is is a little bit more interesting to me just because of the background he has being around Calamore. You know, I mean, he was Dak's backup for several years. It's just no one really thought about it because he was never called upon because Dak played every game. But you know, as of right now, I think Rush is the leader in the clubhouse. But uh, you know, strong performance from Garrett Gilbert or uh, a player getting cut that. There's guys in the Cowboys front office that are like, whoa, we didn't think this guy was going to get cut. We think he's significantly better than Rush or Gilbert. We got to go sign mm. this guy. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that that guy will have to be significantly better. I don't. Th- if it's close, I think they'll look at it as like, well, we've already went through training camp. These guys are comfortable in the offense. You know, let's just stick with the guys that have been around here as opposed to a- another guy coming in and having to lo- learn a bunch of new stuff. But, you know, if there's a guy out there that is accomplished that they're kind of surprised, that guy's still in the mix too. They're not completely done there. Uh, but if it is a guy in this team, I, I mean, Cooper Rush is in the lead going into Sunday. That's that surprises me. I mean, going into the going into, I guess, the uh, training camp, I didn't think he would uh, he would have a chance. But man, he's I think if made a, I he think surged. If, he's he's taking care of business. Yeah, I, th- I think if uh, 
you know, like when like right before the NFL draft, one of the most popular things, especially in a good quarterback draft, is these pro days. You know, like oh, hey, we're gonna go to Clemson and watch Trevor Lawrence throw. You know, we're gonna go to Ohio State and watch Justin Fields throw. I think in that type of setting, I think Garrett Gilbert would stand out by far. But in terms of like when it's actual game action, particularly in this offense, Cooper Rush just seems very confident and comfortable in the offense. He like he reads. Just goes on that on um, whatever he you know knows is the first read, and probably a lot of it is what he knows Kellen Moore likes. Yeah, and he just gets the ball out. He goes with it and goes on to the next play. Uh, you know, when I say that, I'm thinking of like how nice was that touchdown ball in the back of the end zone to Cedric Wilson? Like there wasn't any hesitation. Boom, puts it in a spot that only Cedric Wilson can get. Like it looked like something that hey, I'm very comfortable for this. I didn't have to do a lot of like second guessing. I knew where I was supposed to go with the ball, and I put it right there. And I was just very confident in the offense. And I think that's where he holds a little bit of an advantage. Now, you said it knows where to go with the ball and and less likely to take a sack between the two. As a, yeah. But, hey, if Garrett Gilbert needs to come out slinging on Sunday afternoon, and maybe he, he can, uh, you know, win that job. Uh, you know, KT, the athletic- is there anything – or one for you guys. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that Ben DiNucci could do in this game? Let's say that no. – <laughs> Oh, he's turned it over too much, man. I don't want to. I don't want a quarterback who turns he's it over. Lucky. I'm dude, sorry. Dude, he's getting. He's getting. What if to play he throws the, three touchdown passes and runs for another in the second half? But it doesn't matter because it's the second half. He's just not going to get the opportunity. It, no matter what he does, you'll have a caveat. It's, if he lights it up, it's going to be against a bunch of guys who are about to get cut anyways. How 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 interesting is it too that his two hard knocks clips that stand out are. The one with them getting on him about not having enough swag, and he says, quote, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And then what about before this game, when he throws the three picks, he's like, you ever just get out there and you start feeling a little dangerous? I was like, oh, my God. How did they not cut that in <laughs> why does he have, like, Why does he have so much swag with almost nothing to show for? Hey, check this out. <laughs> no, check, check, this, check, check this amazing. out. Check this out. You know, on the original, on the original list of numbers to go to the equipment staff, he wanted one. Oh, my God. All right, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> one thing I did want to hit. Um, hey, what happened? What happened on that first throw? What what, what happened there? Nussmeyer, you threw it behind him. Oh. <laughs> how, how are you sorry, feeling? Sorry. Oh, he should have caught it. I feel no, great. Except for- <laughs> Honestly, I hope if, if Danucci gets cut, I hope Rush takes number seven back from him because he was number seven before Danucci. That's right. That's and right, I yeah. hope he does that because it's a way better quarterback number than, than 10. Um, speaking Which, of- okay, one more. Let's just go back to that real quick. Okay. That was Dak Prescott's original number. It was. To go to that, I, I to, did. I tweeted the, it out and, guys, got, yeah. and got uh, reprimanded for it when uh, he, was, he showed up as number four. But that was yeah. the original. I was... The one who updated the roster on the website. So I can say <laughs> that was the sheet I was given was Dak was going to be 10. And then as, yep. as soon as um, he uh, realized he could be four, he was like, yeah, I'll just do that for my mom. And that was uh, – C.D. C- Lamb was also going to be number 10. Yeah. But it's uh, – talked out of You it. sure about that? <laughs> for some reason, I thought he wanted 11. He was well, going to be 11. 10. He was going to be 10, 10, and then, it, and then uh, he was 88. How would he you guys was, have felt about Micah Parsons wearing number one? I don't – I don't know. I don't really. I don't really care about Wasn't numbers he too much. At Penn State, I, he he I was. was yeah, but yeah, he that, he I was joking with. He was joking with Cedric Wilson before one of the games. He's like, "Damn, that one looks good. I should have taken that. I didn't know it was available." You know, how some numbers are so associated with with players. Like, I yeah. see eleven, and I don't think of Beasley ever. 
It's so weird. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But every time I see nine, I think of I think of Romo. Like it's so weird for me to see. Still, I've seen Jalen in the number for a month now, and it's still weird. I don't know. It just doesn't well, fit for some reason. But I, uh, I only think of Beasley when I hear the word Moderna. All right. <laughs> okay. I I, I think we fun. just I Beasley think we gets just cut. Got, did the Cowboys pick him up? No. Hell no. But I think <laughs> I, I think we got robbed, man. If 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 uh. If CD would have been 10 or 11, to have 13, 10 or 11, and 19, that would have been so clean on, on, a, on, on a wide receiver depth chart. We got robbed. That would have been cool. Um, did you, I, I wanted to promote this agent survey that Ben Standig ever at The Athletic does because there were some interesting notes on the Cowboys and what, what some of the agents had to say about their perception of the Cowboys. I think it's always interesting because – you know, they often strike out in free agency. So, or quote unquote strike out. So it's interesting to, I guess, hear the perception of Jerry Jones and, and what agents actually think about, about that kind of stuff. So we'll start, start with Jerry. The question was, what's your sense of the Cowboys organization and management under Jerry now that it's been a quarter of a century since they've won a Super Bowl? And this is an anonymous owner who says, it's the best ownership group in sports. You know, anonymous agent. Anonymous, sorry. Thank you for correcting. It's an anonymous agent that says, uh, quote, this is the best ownership group in sports, worst head coach in sports. Anything that begins and is, ends with mismanagement talk begins with who they hired as head coach. But nobody treats their players like them, has the facilities like them, and is willing to spend the money to make sure everyone is the happiest. Nobody markets their organization better. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it is. And, and I was talking to a friend about this not too long ago um, just because – uh, you know, one of the storylines going into the Hall of Fame inductions was that, you know, Kelvin Johnson's not very happy with the Detroit Lions. And it was kind of similar with the way Barry Sanders ended his time in Detroit. And it's only been kind of patched over within the last five or 10 years. And in that conversation, I'm just thinking, you know, for all my, all the hate that people have towards like Jerry on like the outside and stuff like that, like the players certainly don't feel that way. Like who, who, who has felt that way towards Jerry? Like I'm done with the Cowboys. Like I don't even want to be around this team or whatever after it. Like they, they treated me so wrong. Like I couldn't think of anybody. I might be missing somebody, but like even, you know, Des like still like loves Jerry. I'm trying to think of like somebody that like felt like they got like a raw deal. I mean, Des, Romo, like all those guys love, love Jerry, still love the Cowboys. I just can't think of anybody. I might be, I might be forgetting somebody like, and I hope it's not somebody obvious. I guess maybe T.O. Yeah. Yeah. But T.O. has a problem with everyone. So. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I just couldn't think of anybody like who's been disgruntled when they've left the Cowboys and they're just like this organization's the worst. Everyone loves stand. Jerry. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah. I know very few players, even well, that hell, end on bad terms, that that don't end up loving Jerry in the end. So. Well, yeah. hey, I, I mean, the guy that we mentioned, Cole Beasley, sure ripped the Cowboys a new one after he went up to Buffalo. So. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, well, like let's, pretend, let's any, just stop giving him attention. Anyone. Let's just let's not even mention his name <laughs> so it doesn't show up in some Google alert that he gets on his phone or whatever. Um, so this other quote was was very, I guess, telling. I don't. I wanted your thoughts on this, uh, John. Quote: They always have good players because they want to play there for reasons like no state taxes. There's too many players there. For the wrong reasons, there's a high floor with the Cowboys, but it's close to the ceiling. There's so so there's some there's some I don't know what because the, some moles, yeah, I guess like, what the mole moles in the Cowboys that are playing there for the wrong reasons. 
Well, I think also, I think when people say, I think it's like, you're it, it, the star certainly attracts like the me type of guy, you know? Because just think about it. If you're all about your brand, like, well, let's maybe think of somebody on the couch. Okay, who could we think of? Who could we think of? Who could we think of? Maybe a linebacker, maybe number nine, Luke maybe Jalen Smith. But anyway, um, it's a spot where it helps increase your brand. You know, if you're a Jalen Smith and you played at Notre Dame and then you go to the Dallas Cowboys, those are two huge brands. That really helps your brand. Where, as let's say, maybe going to play for the New England Patriots, it might do that when you're winning Super Bowls. But other than that, like Bill Belichick really doesn't want a lot of those guys. You know, I mean, obviously he brought in like a Randy Moss for a little bit. And I'm not saying he has any other guys like that. For the most part, he's not really trying to get those guys where I feel like the Cowboys love getting those guys. Specifically, Jerry Jones likes getting those type of guys. But I, I think what's interesting to me about that quote, though, there's a high floor with the Cowboys, but it's close to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. They'll never be bad enough to tank unless, like, you know, something right. terrible happens at quarterback because you always have enough players that want to be there that you right. have a decent roster. I think that's great. That's a great great way to put it, KT. There's two kind of contradictory quotes from two different agents. One is, Jerry's a very, very interesting person. I respect the way he treats people. He puts winning and players first. He does what it takes to win. Believes you win with players, and so he takes care of his players. That they haven't won a Super Bowl lately? Oh, well, lots of teams haven't. I have great respect for them. And this other agent says, Jerry needs to get his ass out of the way. He's a narcissist. He's also a great businessman. Stay in your lane. He plays GM like a fan. I think a lot Sounds of people like would agree bit, with both those people. Both to be polar opposites. You. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. A lot of people that really know Jerry Jones and are around Jerry Jones would agree with the first person. A lot of people on the outside that don't deal with him very often would agree with the second one. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that know him and don't know him would fall somewhere in the middle of that. So I think that I, I understand where both agents are coming from, but I think a lot of people would feel that way. And, and here's the other one. like, So I think Ben interviewed i want to say it was 32 or 33 agents like no there's never going to be a consensus on anybody i was talking to uh, brian bros today about about this at practice we were talking about like coaches and like you know ones that you like ones that you don't things like that and i was like i don't think that there's ever going to be one that everybody likes there's always you're always going to be the more people you talk to the more you're gonna find like somebody's gonna be like yeah but he's not great with these players or or you know he doesn't know anything about drafting players or some, like no one's going to be perfect you know but we also have to go on that it's been 26 years since the Cowboys have even played in an NFC championship game. So for the person that says, well, there's a lot of teams that haven't won a Super Bowl. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of teams that can't get the type of players that the Cowboys can. They can't get the type of coaches that the Cowboys can that don't have the type of you know, resources that the Cowboys do. So I don't know that you can just mix them in with the other teams that haven't been there. It's clearly, it's not good that they have not been back to an NFC championship game in 26 years. And to anybody that wants to make excuses for that, that's all they are is excuses. I mean, they should have been back to a Super Bowl by now. I, I agree, but I'll say this one thing about uh, fandom in general, all that you can really ask for, because in the end, the players are going to end up telling you what happens right on the field. All you can really ask for is trying I mean, if you're a fan of the Dallas Mavericks in the 90s, you were very frustrated because they weren't trying. You know, they were not trying to do things right. They're rolling Dick Mata out there and things like that. Mark Cuban got there. They tried. Do I agree with everything Mark Cuban's done? Absolutely not. Jerry tries. He's never not tried. And that is the one thing you can ask for. It's my biggest frustration with the Texas Rangers right now. They're not trying. Now, it's fine. Maybe they've got a longer plan now that they're a little closer. 
and it's about rebuilding and things like that. But I need my teams to try. And Jerry, you will never, you will never question that ever. True. I just will say that it's just tough to compare the Rangers and Mavericks just because they just don't have that cachet that, you know, that, you know, obviously Jerry Jones elevated the brand to where it is now. Like it was always a huge brand. He's obviously elevated the brand, you know, um, but at the same time, I, th- I feel like it's easier to make big investments because you always know you're going to get a return on that investment. And although it might not be in wins, Jerry's always going to get money off of that. Whereas, let's say, Cuban makes a ba- bunch of bad investments with the Mavs, that could dig him hole, a hole for a decade where like sure. no one's coming to the games because they're just, you know, bad, bad trades, bad signings. And they're just all of a sudden you're just like, whoa. And, and hey, we could be in this right now if they don't draft Luca. But I'm just saying like, I mean, they very well could have just because of some of their investments. And then that digs them a hole for a long period of time. I don't know that that the Cowboys can dig a hole like that where all of a sudden they're not making any money. I just the biggest the reason TV the Cowboys interest, haven't won a don't. Super Bowl is because of the salary gap. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, that's a factor for sure. That's yeah, a major for sure. Jerry would have signed any player on earth to win another championship if he could do that but there are true but out. i will say that that doesn't work in the nfl i know but i mean all that's, the teams that's the that biggest do that reason probably the difference between now and 25 years ago is the salary yeah. cap people want to say what's the what's the main difference between now and then and it's probably the main difference is how you get players and how you yeah. build rosters it's 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 hard to win in the nfl i think that's what that agent was trying to say not like uh, a lot of teams haven't won well yeah it's just it's tough to even get to a Super Bowl, let alone win them. So you can't necessarily knock a guy for not winning one in twenty five years when he's when he's already won three. So sure, but let me take a, let me take a little quote here from Mike McCarthy uh, a week ago when he Austin he Powers met with, he met yeah he met with a group ah. of us for about forty five minutes out at the Star. And it was really good. I mean, it was all on the record, but it was you know no cameras. We were all just kind of sitting around, and he mentioned about in his early days working in Kansas city and Marty Schottenheimer having a team meeting and basically breaking it down. This is at the beginning of a season about how like, you know, there at the time, just this will give you a little bit of a time frame here. He was like, there's two teams that have more than the rest of us right now. And that's the 49ers and the Cowboys. He's like, yeah. and then there's another 10 teams underneath them that, hey, we can compete. And he put the Chiefs in there at the time. But we got to do things a certain way. But there's a path to that. There's another 10 teams below that where they got to do things even more and have even less uh, error or whatever. And then he's like, there's like like five or six teams at the bottom that like they just have no idea what they're doing. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is this is obviously pre-salary cap. But I don't know that it's that different even today. And I don't put the Cowboys down in that bottom 10 or 15. I put them in the upper half, the top 16. So I can't compare the Cowboys to that bottom 16, nor should you. You should not be comparing them not making it to a Super Bowl with the Lions not making it to the Super Bowl, with the Browns not making it to the Super totally Bowl, agree. with the Bengals not making it to the Super Bowl. It's not, that's not how the Panthers, the Jaguars, like, even though they've made Super Bowls since then, but I'm saying, like, they're not on that same level as the Cowboys. So that's my only argument with that one particular agent is like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but with what they have and the ability they have, don't put them in the same category with every single other team. And I'll tell you this, in the group of the teams that they are with, all of those teams have been to the Super Bowl in the last 26 years. Oh, yeah. No, that's for sure. It's There's a problem with mediocrity, though, in the NFL, too. I mean, when you're 8-8 eight eight every year or you're kind of down the middle, you don't get great draft picks. You know, I mean, there's – 
there's there's a there's a curse in being decent in the NFL. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's about it's really about having a quarterback mainly right. because they. I mean, the, the the biggest reason, the biggest glaring hole in that twenty five or thirty years is the was it ten years you didn't have a quarterback? Almost ten years you didn't have a quarterback. Well, I'm really That's talking about the years that they. I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about those years. I'm talking about the good years. I'm talking about 14, 16, early in Romo's career when they got to the playoffs, and we're. Ta- I'm talking 13, 12, 13 win teams. Those aren't teams that are just like, hey, we won 12, 13 games this year. That's cool, man. I can't wait. Well, yeah. hey, if we hey, if we get lucky in the playoffs, cool. If not, whatever. No, go get it. Like get back to the NFC Championship. Those teams were good enough to get back to the NFC Championship game or get to the Super Bowl. I'm not talking about five and eleven, five and eleven, five and eleven. We yeah. understand that there wasn't the talent there. I'm talking about the years when they did have the talent. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Well, I'll tease the other part of it, which uh, there's some quotes on Dak Prescott and the contract and stuff like that. So check that out on The Athletic. Ben Standig, uh, our Washington football team writer, puts that together, and it's it's excellent. So go check that out. Theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, what are you doing with your life? Get on it. Sign up for the season. Bob Sturm is doing excellent work with the Cowboys as well, breaking down all kinds of tape and the X's and O's side of things. So make sure you're doing that. And also, Sod's cranking up the Stars beat soon. So yeah. make sure you're following Sod on The Athletic, if anything. Uh, and next week is Cut Week. So we're going to have a, a special episode that we will record on uh, Tuesday and we'll have it up for you probably yes. Wednesday morning of next week or late Tuesday night because we'll respond to cut day as they got to get the roster down to 53. So big cut day next Tuesday. We'll cover that for you here on About Them Cowboys. For our producer Kent Garrison, for Father John Mashoda, for Saad Yosef, I am KT. We will see you next time on the next edition of About Them Cowboys. Why not just start the day fucking it up?